A few weeks ago, a Bible Crossfire caller wanted to know, how can we know which preacher is telling us the truth? I gave him an answer then, but I want to go in more in-depth now. This is a very important question because Jesus said in Matthew 15, 14, Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. In this verse, the blind leader represents the false teacher. And the blind follower represents us if we allow that religious teacher to lead us astray. And the ditch represents the bad place. So if we allow a false religious teacher to lead us astray, we will be lost just like the false teacher will be. So just how do we keep from being led astray by a false teacher? In the words of the caller, how can we know which preacher is telling us the truth? An important verse to keep in mind in this regard is Acts 17, verse 11, which reads, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. So the Bereans are given the highest of compliments by God, because they didn't just accept what Paul preached blindly. Instead, they compared what he was teaching to the scriptures to make sure it was so. Let me illustrate how to do this with two examples. First, most churches allow women to preach from the pulpit. But we have clear texts that teach otherwise. For example, 1 Corinthians 14, 34 and 35, Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. So you can tell which preacher is telling you the truth simply by comparing what they preach on the women preachers issue to this passage. But some might wonder about passages like Acts 21 verse 9 that show women prophesied. But in a case like that, what you should do is figure out how both passages can be true. Don't just ignore one passage and hold to the other, but what position would make both passages true? Well, if one scripture shows a woman can prophesy, that is, teach God's word, and another scripture says she can't teach in church, what should our conclusion be? That a woman can teach God's word, but not in the church assembly. That's really a simple way to make all passages true, but most don't follow it. We should know that if God wrote the Bible, everything in it, all verses will be true. Another example is how do you tell what the truth on divorce and remarriage is? It used to be taught by everyone that second and third marriages should be terminated, but now most preachers will tell you it is okay to stay in a second marriage. What did Jesus say in Matthew 19:9? Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away, doth commit adultery. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Jesus is calling these second marriages adulterous, and surely we understand that a faithful Christian cannot live in adultery. Even before the New Testament went into effect, John the Baptist told Herod, who was in a second marriage, in Matthew 14, verse 4, quote, It is not lawful for thee to have her. Why would we think it is any different today? Does a change in culture change the moral teaching of God's word somehow? Most of the time, it is really not that hard. Most churches believe differently than the Bible in many subjects because the Bible is 
ambiguous on a point, not because the Bible is ambiguous on a point, but because political correctness gets in the way or the pressure of the possibility of losing members if we stand for the truth gets in the way. The Bible's not really that hard to understand on most subjects. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. Let me start that again. 877-655-6755. Jim from Iowa, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yeah, uh, let's say there's uh, two homosexuals, perverts, are going to get married, so-called married. I know it would be wrong to go to that wedding. But my question is, if a Christian girl is going to get married to a non-Christian, would you go to that wedding? That would be wrong, too, wouldn't it? Jim, that's a very good point, and I like your parallel to help people see what the truth is. In 1 Corinthians 9, verse 5, Paul said, have we not power or the right to lead about a sister or wife, as well as the other apostles and as the brethren of the Lord and Cephas? And so when Paul says he has the right to lead about a sister, a wife, that means he has the right to get married. But when you have a right, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to do it. So he had a right to get married, but he didn't have to get married. But he specifies that it had to be a sister or a believing wife. He had a right to get married. He didn't have to get married, but if he got married, it would have to be a sister or a believer. Do you see that, Jim? Yeah, there's another verse that says you can't be unequally yoked together, too, so that's the same thing. And so now, to, to make the second point, or to follow up with your point, here we find in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 5, and perhaps other passages, that it's a sin to marry a non-Christian, and you want to know, can we go to that wedding? And my answer is in agreement with you, Jim, because when we go to a wedding... We are, in effect, pronouncing our blessing on the wedding. I got you. Yep. Okay. Second John, verses 9 through 11 says, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. Now watch this. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God's speed. For he that biddeth him God's speed is partaker of his evil deeds. If we attend that wedding between the two homosexuals or a Christian lady marrying a non-Christian, we bid God speed to the wedding, and therefore we become a partaker yep. in I their see. evil deeds. Uh, yep. There's one other question. If I call in and listen on the on the telephone, that ties up a line, don't it? Yeah, it ties up a line, but we have about three okay. or four lines. Okay. You well, can, you, like, yeah, but can I you listen the whole. I'd listen to the whole half hour, so I probably shouldn't do that. Well, actually, we we may have enough lines to do that. Let's talk about it off the air, Jim, and we'll talk about whether you can do that. Okay. Hey, thanks for your help. I, I thought I, I knew I was right about that. So I, I just know a preacher, he's, got a, he's talking about this Christian girl supposed to get married, I think, next Saturday, and how he's talking about the wedding and everything. I say, yeah, right. You don't do that. Appreciate your call, Jim. Thanks. Thanks. Hmm. Phil from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. How you doing, Phil? Real good, Patrick. Thanks for taking my call. I, I want to be up front with you. I disagree with everything you say on, on divorce and remarriage, especially uh, it being a heaven or hell issue. But here's my question. Whenever you talk about the wife being put away, you only mention the wife. You know, the wife being put away and cannot remarry. I've never heard you mention the husband. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it go both ways? Oh yeah. Matter of fact, most of the time, the way I put it is with respect to the husband, 
because I read Matthew 19.9 and it's said with respect to the husband. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 19.9. Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. So this is talking about the husband. He puts away his wife, and he, if he does it for any reason, feel other than fornication, feel Jesus said that his next marriage is an adulterous marriage. So that's talking about the husband, and when he remarries in such case, he's in adultery. Does that answer your question, Phil? I think so. So you're, you're saying it goes either way, whether it's uh, male or female, it works both ways. Yeah, and the second part of this verse says, Whoso marrieth her which is put away doth commit adultery, and that works both ways too. If I marry a put-away person, a divorced person, then I'm committing adultery. And the, the reason for this, Phil, is if you have time, is in, found in Romans chapter 7, verses 2 and 3. I like to say that Matthew 19, 9 states the facts of the case. If you divorce your spouse for any reason other than fornication to remarry, you commit adultery. And whoever marries the put-away person commits adultery. That's the facts of the case. The reason for this is found in Romans 7, 2 and 3. Let me read that. It says, for the woman which hath an husband is bound, bound there simply means obligated, bound or obligated by the law to her husband so long as he liveth, but if her husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband, so then if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she should be called an adulteress, but if her husband be dead, she is free from that law so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. So when Carol and I got married, we said our vows and got married, we became bound or obligated to each other till death. And so if I, through this, because the state of Alabama would let me divorce Carol for incompatibility, but that doesn't match up with Matthew 19.9, and then I remarry, say I remarry Betty, that the state of Alabama may say that's fine and dandy, but God says it's adultery. And the reason is, is because I'm bound to Carol as long as she lives, meaning I'm obligated to her. She's obligated to me, as long as I live, and if I get in this unscriptural divorce and remarry, I'm still cheating on Carol because I'm still obligated to her. You follow what I'm talking about, Phil? Oh, yes, I do. I mean, that, that was easy enough. Uh, do you have time for one more question? Yeah, Phil, go ahead. I know in the past you've said that Billy Graham and Charles Stanley are false teachers. Are you, uh, are you familiar with Greg Laurie, and would you consider him a false teacher? I don't think I've ever heard of him, and I'm definitely not familiar with him. All right. Thank you. Phil, thank you for your call. Thank you. Susan from New Hampshire, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Susan, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Go ahead with your Bible yes. question or comment, please. You're on the air. Oh, Okay. Well, you may have to turn your radio down. If you don't turn your radio down, you may get confused. I I don't even have my radio on. I'm just talking okay. on the phone. Um, but my question is, I, I know what you'll be saying about, you know, what is acceptable to, you know, um, not live the rest of my life without someone else. But my husband has abandoned me. Um, 13 times over the last three years and um, left the church and our pastor said that he doesn't think that he is that uh, I guess apostate I guess is the word but I said I'm I don't want to I don't want to take any chance that I'm doing something 
wrong in the future. Not now. I mean, certainly not now. I mean, he just ended up in jail for beating me to unconsciousness. But that is not a biblical reason to live a hus- leave a husband either, I, to my reading. Um, it's a reason to protect yourself, but it doesn't mean that you can go on and have another companion. Um, I don't see... I don't understand what would, what would, other than him being dead, what would free me from being with a person who has left me and left the church, I mean, left God. Um, Susan, I let me ask know. you something. You yes, said he sir. abandoned you, what, 19 times? Yeah, just about, yes. Okay. Um, now, when he abandoned yeah. you, did you mean he abandoned you? for another woman he abandoned me for um, I'm not sure what he was doing he was not here he was in a different state he was with a bunch of friends going out doing stuff and things um, so, so my, you don't know if he you don't know if he cheated on you sexually I I do not know that um, he says he said no at the time, but he mm-hmm. also said the bills at the house had been paid and the house is in foreclosure. I mean, we have bills all over the place. Mm-hmm. He won't even come home to address them. So he he lies a lot. Mm-hmm. So and Susan, I, uh, I don't know. I, I I would like to to talk with you off the air, but my my first advice to you is when he goes off and leaves you for periods of time like that. I would have hired. I would have hired a private investigator, find out if he was committing fornication against you, adultery oh. against you. It was a high likelihood, but you don't know for sure unless you hire somebody like that or find out. Find out, and if you find out he was cheating on you sexually, then you could have divorced him for fornication. That would have been scriptural according to what Jesus said in Matthew nineteen verse nine. But if you allow, if the husband divorces you. Uh, then, then Matthew nineteen nine would apply to you. Whoso marrieth her which is put away doth commit adultery. So, yes, does that make I sense, Susan? That. Yes, mm-hmm. I can't. I can't be in any relationship while he's living, to my understanding. Um, as it may be, um, but, you know, violence is not really covered. You can leave, but it doesn't allow you, to my understanding to uh, have other relationships, which I'm not interested in at all right now, uh, Pastor, at all. But I'm just looking toward the rest of my whole life. And he made it plain, and he was screaming before he knocked me out, that he he said, I just just don't want to be around you. You're a... and these terrible things. And then I said, well, can we just kind of talk about, you know, what we're going to do with the home and the bills and kind of talk about how to approach our children who are young. They're not young, but they're they're not, you know, really old. They're, they're just out of the nest type. And I said, this is going to be hurtful. And I said, could we at least, could we at least do that? You know, and um, I said, would you just come and talk to Pastor? You know, just come and talk to him. And so that so that I know where you are at when you're gone for so long. Um, Susan, I mean, at, 
Yes, sir. L- let me call you and talk to you at, off the air, okay? These are kind of personal matters. I want to call you. I've got your number. It Thank ends with you. 6708. I'm going to call you. Uh, I'm going to call you. Try to call you tonight if that's okay, okay? Let's talk oh, about these things off the air. Fine. Thank you. Okay. I'm sorry. Thank I didn't mean to talk up this time, but I am very uh, careful with my spiritual relationship with God that I do things that are that are commanded or asked, and I will not put myself or anyone else in a situation where they would be called adulterers. Yes. Susan? I I don't believe that. I appreciate you being careful. I wish everybody was like you in that regard. I'll call you later this evening, okay, Susan? All right. Thank you, Pastor. Thanks for your call. Bye-bye. Regina from Louisiana, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Okay, good evening, sir. Thank you for taking my call. I would uh, I would like to just say what I got to say and then hang up so I can listen to your response, okay? Okay. All right. That's fine. Now, you had mentioned, you have referenced uh, Matthew, the 19th chapter, regarding fornication and the marital relationship. Now, my question is, when we think about what God has said in regards to Israel and them committing fornication, we know that that was not of a sexual nature because that's not the relationship God has with men, anything sexual. So, like the woman that's that's currently still on the radio, she's talking about how he abandoned her and he put everything before her and their relationship and and their family and their household. Would or would not that be considered a form of uh, fornication. It's not the fornication that Jesus is talking about in Matthew 19.9 because that fornication is physical fornication. Every word, just about in the English language, has a figurative use. So, of course, fornication or adultery has a figurative use. And when the Israelites went off into idolatry, that would be like committing adultery, not literal, but figurative adultery against God. They were cheating on God, you might say. But the fornication that's talked about in Matthew 19, 9 is a, a sexual thing. So, so what Jesus is saying is that the only scriptural cause for divorce, and Susan had it right, and she said she was going to be careful. I wish more of my listeners would be like that. She was going to be careful not to remarry unless she was sure the scripture said that she did. Most callers seem to care less about that. But Jesus said, unless your spouse commits fornication and you divorce them for that reason, Matthew 19, 9, unless those two things are true, if you remarry, it's adultery. It's adultery. And a Christian cannot be a faithful Christian if he's living in adultery. He's going to have to repent of that adultery to be forgiven by God. And if he doesn't, if he's not forgiven, he's going to be lost. Let me read to you a passage from Revelation chapter 21, verse 8. It says, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and the sexually immoral and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. This is saying those who are sexually immoral... And that would include those who divorce their spouse for, say, incompatibility and remarry. That's adultery. That's being sexual, sexually immoral. 
they will have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. Now, it doesn't mean a person can't be forgiven and avoid that. If a person is an adulterer and they quit being adulterer, they're not an adulterer anymore if they repent. So this is talking about people who are sexually immoral and continue in that. They haven't been forgiven because they hasn't, haven't repented. They're going to be lost, according to Revelation 21, verse 8, and dozens of passages just like Revelation 21, verse 8. So if a man divorces his wife for incompatibility and remarries, he's committing adultery. And as long as he stays in that marriage, he's an adulterer. And if he dies in that condition, he's going to be lost forever. This is important. Susan is right. We have to be very careful with God's word because he expects he expects us to live according to his word. It is true that we're saved by grace. But the fact that we're saved by grace doesn't imply that we can just live willy-nilly any old way we want to. No, the fact that we're saved by grace implies that we have appreciation for that and we're going to want to live exactly According to God's book, we might say, by the book. Jesus said in John 14, verse 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. So if we love God, if we appreciate what he's done for us, if we respect him, we're going to keep his commandments. So we're going to be very careful about these issues like divorce and remarriage and make sure that we're living according to God's word because we're saved by grace. Daco from Nebraska, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes, sir. Um, after about a year and a half of being married, uh, my wife told me that God told her to leave our marriage. Um, she is a um, she attends a church here in town uh, regularly, uh, oftentimes four to six to sometimes seven times a week. I do not attend church, but I know that I am saved. I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I study my Bible every day. I'm very, very knowledgeable about Scripture, and I have, and in my reading, I have not come across one script outside of fornication and adultery where God told the spouse to leave their husband. And so I was just wondering, um, I know God is not a blabbermouth, but I was just wondering if, um, if God would have told my wife to leave. If the Holy Spirit says in Matthew 19.9, Daco, am I pronouncing your name right? Yes, sir. If the Holy Spirit says there that if a man or woman divorces their spouse for any reason or remarries, they commit adultery, then the Holy Spirit is not going to tell your wife something different from that. Did you cheat? I hate to ask this question, but did you cheat on your wife sexually? No. Okay. If that's true, then we know for 100% sure, and we know anyway, God did not tell your wife that because God says that if she divorces you and then remarries, she's committing adultery. God says, expects her and you to stay together till death do you part, just like you agreed to on your wedding day. Romans 7, 2, and 3 says she's obligated or bound to you as long as you live. God is not going to tell us something in the Bible and then tell somebody else something different than what's in the Bible. Do you see that, Daco? I do. May I ask this question then? She was yes. previously uh, married, and then I married her. Um, so in essence, I would have 
committed adultery with her because she was remarried. Is that, am I understanding scripture correctly? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sorry I didn't ask you that question before I got into my answer. But the second part of Matthew 19, 9 says, Whoso marrieth her which is put away doth commit adultery. Now, Daco, we're kind of getting into some personal matters here. Would you mind if I called you later on this evening and we could talk more about the details privately, one-on-one, in a phone conversation instead of doing this over the national radio airways? Sure. Yeah. It, your number ends with 2797, right? That's correct. I'm going to plan to call you later in the evening, okay, Daco? We could talk about your situation, and, and, and we're going to compare it to what the Bible says because the Bible is right. God wrote it. Okay, Daco? Yes. Yes. Okay. I'll look forward to your call. Thank, thank you for your call. Thank you. We're about to have to go off the air. Let me mention my website. It's a really nifty website done by my friend Shane Pack. It's called BibleCrossfire.com. Go there if you want to send me an email. Talk about the Bible through email during the week. Go there if you want to do a free Bible correspondence course. 